had a little storm of my own. Let's turn that table up. Just here. I mean, that's 
Powder in Texas, it's, a, it's like a war zone over there. It's just humongous. I mean, I haven't been out there to seven either, but I've seen the aerial, aerial drone footage over there. But I, And I know 37 is terrible, too, and on up to Idabel. Uh Trinity Baptist Church is a bed over there in Idabel. And uh, just, yeah, I flattened it. So, but thank God there wasn't nobody in it, you know, and they can, they can replace buildings. So, again, we're grateful that God is that God has spared people's lives in the process. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's ask God to, to meet those needs of everybody out there. And, and not just that, but to work through this to touch somebody's life and bring them to Jesus because that can happen throughout this too. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. God lead us. Amen. You be seated. Savior all the day long. 
perfect submission, all is at rest. I and my Savior am happy and blessed, watching and waiting, looking above, filled with His goodness, lost in His love. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Now I need to take care of something that I forgot to do a while ago. I meant to do it, but I got sidetracked. I need two two ladies to stand up. Mom, would you stand up? And Jackie, would you stand up? Both of them got a birthday this week. They already they've already had a birthday, but we're gonna sing happy birthday to them. So y'all ready? Happy birthday to mom and happy birthday to Jackie. Let's sing God bless you. You ready? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, God bless you. All right. Now, what number was that, sister? Number 68. Number 68. Let's sing face to face. Number 68. Face to face with Christ my Savior. Face to face, what will it be? When with rapture I behold him, Jesus Christ, who died for me. Face to face I shall behold him, far beyond the starry sky. Face to face in all his glory, I shall see him by and by. I see him with a darkening veil between, but a blessed day is coming when his glory shall be seen. Place to place I shall behold him far beyond the starry sky. Place to place in all his glory. I shall see him by and by. What rejoicing in his presence when his banished dream and when the crooked ways are straightened and the dark things shall be plain. Face to face I shall behold him far beyond the starry sky. Face to face in all his glory, I shall see him by and by. Face to face, oh blissful moment, face to face to see and know, face to face with my Redeemer, Jesus Christ, who loves me so, face to 
place I shall behold him, far beyond the starry sky. Face to face in all his glory, I shall see him by and by. All right, let's turn over to 303. 303. On Jordan's stormy banks I stand. On Jordan's stormy banks I stand and cast a wistful eye to Canaan's fair and happy land where my possessions lie. I am bound for the promised land. I am bound for the promised land. Oh, who will come and go with me? I am bound for the promised land. All over those wide extended plains shot one eternal day. There God the sun forever reigns and scattered night away. I am bound for the promised land. I am bound for the promised land. Oh, who will come and go with me? I am bound for the promised land. No chilling wind, no poisonous breath can reach that helpful shore. Sickness and sorrow, pain and death are felt and fear no more. I am bound for the promised land. I am bound for the promised land. Oh, who will come and go with me? I am bound for the promised land. When shall I reach that happy place that be forever blessed? When shall I see my father's place and in his bosom rest? I am bound for the promised land. I am bound for the promised land. Oh, who will come and go with me? I am bound for the promised land. Amen. You know, some interesting language in that third verse there. <clears throat> Poisonous breath. Well, I've had that sometimes, haven't y'all? First thing in the morning. I'm glad we won't have no poisonous breath when we get over there, amen. I think he's talking about people saying ugly things about you, but I, but still, poisonous breath, that just don't sound like a good, a good case of halitosis, does it? Amen. Take your Bible, turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and we're going to look at the first 10 verses this morning. And I hope to give you a clear picture of something this morning. I want to help you in your understanding of the Bible. Um I believe that this is one of the most crucial passages in Scripture regarding the end times. And I know it's very simple, but God wants it to be simple. God would not have us to, uh, to solve a riddle. God would not have us to solve a calculus problem when it comes to the end times. 
1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 1 through 10. All right. Now, while, when you've got your spot there, uh, we're going we're gonna to back up and we're going to read. We're going to start in chapter 4, verse 13, which is what we covered the last two weeks. We're just going to read... We're going to read those five or uh, six verses there as we lead in to verse uh, chapter five because you understand the Bible wasn't written in chapters. The Bible was written as one narrative, and so chapter four doesn't stop, and then chapter five begins. It all is one narrative. So when you read the two together, it gives you a clearer picture of what you're of what you're looking at. So let's do that. Chapter 4 and verse 13, we'll begin there. Paul said, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep or which have died, that ye sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus or have died being saved will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. And that word prevent there means we'll not go before them. We won't go first. Those who have died will go first. Verse 16, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. So the cemeteries, graves, those that are saved, that have died, their bodies in the graves, those graves are going to bust open, and their bodies are going to come out changed in a brand new body like the one the Lord Jesus has right now, a very perfect and an immaculate body. So the Bible says, Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Somebody ought to say amen. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Those are words of comfort to the church, that we are going to be raptured out of this old world and taken to heaven to be with the Lord forever and ever, that those that we buried and, and knowing that they were saved, that, that we knew they went to be with the Lord the moment they were saved, but their bodies are going to come out and be changed. They'll join back with their bodies in the air. And so will we ever be with the Lord? Our bodies will be changed in a moment in a moment, a twinkle in an eye. Now, we get to that, and we jump right into this. There's no stop. It's just a flow. Paul says, but. So he was addressing the rapture. Now he's changing his subject. He said, but of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. There ain't no reason for me to write to you. For, you, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that the day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness, Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day 
Be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. May the Lord add his blessing to his word this morning. Let's pray. Father, I ask you, please put your hand on me, anoint me, give me unction. I want to preach this morning. I want to give you glory this morning. I want to magnify Christ. And, Lord, open, uh, Lord, with, with your help, I can't do a bit of it without you. But illuminate the scripture through me today, through the preaching of the word. And, Lord, I'll give you all the glory and the praise because I know I can't do a bit of it. It's all of you. I can't do anything without you. So I put myself in your hand and I ask you, use me. Take me and do something with me this morning. Speak to every heart under the sound of my voice. Speak to every ear. Speak through it, Lord. I pray, I pray you speak to each one. Draw them, Lord, closer to what you would want for their life. Lord, draw them to make decisions in their lives. Help people to get things secured in their hearts and minds. And, Father, we pray for someone out there that might be lost without Jesus and doesn't know for sure when they die where they're going. Pray today be the day they come to you in repentance and faith and put their faith in Jesus and believe on him for the forgiveness of their sins. Please help us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, praise God. I'm, I, I'll tell you what, that scripture right there, it excites me. There's, there's times when I come up here and I'm not that excited about preaching. And the reason I'm not excited is because what I've got to say, I know ain't nobody want to hear. You know, there's things you tell people sometimes when you preach, and they're like, oh, man, I don't want to. Oh, he's preaching on that this morning. You know, nobody wants nobody wants somebody to preach on their sin. And I, I mean, we need it, but we don't like for somebody to meddle and go preaching on something that we're doing. It's like, oh, no, he's on my toes this morning. Well, we're not going to be on your toes this morning. I want to help you this morning. I want to give you some peace of mind this morning. These are the kind of, of messages that I get excited about because it brings peace. To a believer's heart. So let's look at it this morning. Not a lot of talking, just a lot of scripture. So I really want you to pay close attention this morning to all this says. <clears throat> so beginning in verse 1 there. So he told us all about the rapture. He told us all about it. And, then, and when he said, he said, comfort one another with these words. So this ought to bring you comfort that Jesus is coming back to take you out of this world. And then he says, he says, but, hold on now, but, now listen, the times and the seasons Hey, brethren, he said, you ain't got, y'all ain't got no need for me to write about that. Don't, there ain't no reason for me to write unto you. Now, now, what does he mean? What does that even mean? What are the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need I write unto you? Well, he means that this, what he's about to describe, doesn't belong to the church. This is not about the church. So, therefore, there's no need for me to write unto you about it. But I'm going to tell you this. Because I want you to understand. That's why he's telling them. But it's not that they have a need to hear about it, but he wants to clarify. Okay? Because let me tell you something. I've been saved now. Well, I got saved in 1975. Y'all do the math. I'll get 47 years. Yeah, 1975 I got saved. Do you know I, I have not been looking for times and seasons since then? I ain't spent not one day of my Christian life hunting, looking for times and seasons. I'm not worried about the times and the seasons. You say, I don't even know what you're talking about. Well, I'll tell you in a minute. But but I'm not looking for times and seasons. I'm looking for Christ. Since I got saved, partner, let me tell you something. I've been looking for Jesus Christ. 
and him alone. I'm not worried about no Antichrist. I'm not looking for the Antichrist. They people who spend all their time scratching their heads trying to figure out who the Antichrist is. It doesn't really matter because I'm not looking for Antichrist. I'm looking for Jesus Christ. I'm looking for my Savior. I'm not going to be down here dealing with the Antichrist. It could be Elon Musk, for all I know. He was wearing an Antichrist Halloween costume. I don't know if y'all seen that or not. Had a goat's head baphomet symbol with an upside-down cross right there in the middle. I know that's a superhero costume, I heard. But that ought to tell you right there, y'all not full of superheroes. But anyway, neither here nor there. The point is, back to what we're saying, <clears throat> times and seasons, okay? Let's, let's begin to figure this out. What is he saying here? Acts chapter 1, verse 1 through 8. Take your Bible, turn there. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna go all around the Bible that we find all this out. So not too far all around the Bible. We're going to go several places. Acts chapter 1, turn there with me, verses 1 through 8. All right, this is where they're up on the Mount of Olives. Jesus is about to ascend into heaven. Okay, here we go. The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus both began to do and teach, Luke said. I, he said, unto the day that he was taken up, after that he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking to them, uh, speaking of the things pertaining of the kingdom of God. So for 40 days after his resurrection, he spent with his disciples teaching them things about the kingdom of God, helping them understand what was going on during the church age. All right? So, and the Bible says, verse 4, and being assembled together with them there on the Mount of Olives there, he commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me, for John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. The Holy Spirit of God was going to empower the church to fulfill the, 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 the uh, commands of the Lord Jesus Christ still going on today. I have the Holy Ghost in me. If you're saved, you've got the Holy Ghost in you, and he leads us and guides us to do God's will. Now, <clears throat> he was telling them that's going to happen. Now, listen, here we go. Verse 6. So he's telling them all these things, but here they show up, and here's what they say. When they therefore were come together, they asked him, so they talked about this before they got there. Okay? They'd had a, they'd had a little little conversation. We're going to ask, when we get there, when we get there with Jesus, we're going to ask him, is, is, he fixing to, is he fixing to set up his millennial kingdom right now? Is it fixing to happen? That's what, they were, that's what was in their mind. You see, because all... Their whole lives growing up, going to the temple and everything, that's all they knew was that, 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 that the Messiah is coming, and when he comes, there's going to be thousand years of peace on earth. They've been hearing that their whole lives. So that's what they were looking for. They weren't looking for a church age. They were looking for the Messiah. They were looking for him to, to, to kick Rome out of the country and establish the kingdom and rule on earth right then because they knew that was going to happen, but they didn't understand all this church business. So all that's new to them. So they're, they're standing there. This is early on. The church, all the preaching of Paul hadn't happened. This is early, very first weeks after Jesus had been resurrected. And they're standing there. Are you going to do it? Are you going to set it up now, Jesus? And what does Jesus say? He said, it's not for you to know. It's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power. Well, what is he answering? He's answering the question. Are you going to restore at this again the kingdom to Israel? Are you going to do it now, Jesus? Jesus said, that ain't none of your business. This is the church age. This is time people got to get saved. Listen, here's what you'll do. 
you're going to receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Quit worrying about when the kingdom is going to come. Right now, we've got to get busy. And that's what he's saying. It's not for you to know the times and the seasons. So the times and the seasons are referring to what's going to take place during the, the seven years of tribulation and the millennial kingdom. That's when he's referring to the times and the seasons. The times and the seasons relate to Israel. They don't relate to the church, to the nation of Israel. All right? So now, so that's why he said of the times and the seasons, you have no reason, you have no need that I should write unto you because you're not Israel. They were, the, they were a Gentile church, I ain't got my map, in Thessalonica. They're over there in Europe. They're not, they're not Israel. So he said there's no reason for me to write to you about that. All right? Verse 2, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. He's saying, you know full well. I've already taught you these things. See, he taught them a lot in those short little weeks he was there with them. He said, y'all know full well that, that, that the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night. So what does that mean? Well, again, the day of the Lord, the day of the Lord is a period of time that begins with the with with when the when the church is gone and the tribulation starts. When that begins, when the tribulation period, those seven years begins, and that runs all the way through Christ's coming and the thousand year reign, that entire span of time is what's known as the day of the Lord. Okay? <clears throat> Isaiah chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. You can turn there if you want. I'll give you about 10 seconds, and then I'm going to read it. Isaiah 2, 11 and 12. The Bible says there in Isaiah 2, 11 and 12, The lofty looks of man shall be humbled, and the haughtiness of men shall be bowed down, and the Lord alone shall be exalted in that day. For the day of the Lord of hosts shall be upon every one that is proud and lofty, and upon every one that is lifted up, and he shall be brought low. Then that day, there won't be nobody going to bow up against Jesus. When the Lord begins what he's going to do, can't nobody stop it. It's going to happen whether they want it to or not. In Joel chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, the Bible says, Blow ye the trumpet in Zion, and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord cometh, for it is nigh at hand, a day of darkness and of gloominess, a day of clouds and of thick darkness, as the morning spread upon the mountains, a great people and a strong, there hath not been ever the like, neither shall be any more after it, even to the years of many generations. The day of the Lord. I, 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 when I read that, did you see what it said in verse 2? A day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness. I thought about Friday. I thought about when that storm came in Clarksville. I thought there were some people in town whose hearts got to beating a little fast. They started feeling a little anxious. Started hearing noises and started getting spooked. Can you imagine? I mean, when those when those dark clouds were rolling in, you said, I don't know if a tornado's going to drop out of here and wipe us all away. I don't know what's going to happen. The uncertainty of what's going to happen here. Can you imagine on the day of the Lord when that begins and all the judgments of God begin to fall and all the things that God brings on the people here? 
can you imagine the terror that they're going to feel? You know, the Bible talks about they're going to they're going to cry out for the rocks and the mountains to fall on them. You talk about scared. You talk about panic in that day. Oh my goodness! But praise God, Paul said you ain't got to worry about that. You don't need for me to write to you about that because that ain't for you. Amen. Verse three. For when they notice the word they. Now he ain't talking about the church. He's talking about the Jews. For when they shall say peace and safety. Then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. I want to say to you this this morning, when they shall say peace and safety. We've heard that term, that that's what's going to happen, that, that they're going to believe that they're, that they're going to believe the Antichrist when he says, I'm going to give you worldwide peace and you'll be secure. I don't know if you've heard those words, peace and security, peace and safety, come out of the rulers of this world's mouth. But it does quite often, especially the, especially the big wheels of this world. Uh, I've heard it come out of Obama's mouth and, 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 and Tony Blair's mouth and Hillary Clinton's mouth and, and, and so many others. Peace and security. We need peace and security. It's always people speaking at the United Nations when they start talking about peace and security. And, you know, the Bible tells us about a, uh, in Revelation 13, verse 2, the Bible says, The beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his seat and his great authority. Now, I want to show you a picture. I may have showed some of you this picture before. But this is a picture of a statue, which is outside the United Nations. It was taken down. But it was a gift to the United Nations from Oaxaca, Mexico. It sure looks like the beast described in Revelation. It has, it's like a leopard, but it has a mouth of people there. And this statue, ironically, the name of the statue is the Guardian for International Peace and Security. Isn't that a really, isn't that an ironic coincidence? It's almost like Satan had that commission. So, I'm here. I'm here to tell you, my friends, we're living in we're living in end times, very close to the end. So, again, when they shall say peace and safety, you know what that tells me? I think that. And that Antichrist system is going to be run out of the UN. That's that's my strong feeling on that. Now maybe I'm wrong, but I think you'd probably agree with me if that's where they're promoting that idea. That's probably where the headquarters is going to be headed up at. And and so when they say peace and safety, well, we know that 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 that, uh, that the, the leaders of the world are going to make a league with Antichrist. They're going to make a bond, a pact with him, and he's going to promise them peace and security. The Bible says. Then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. So when they say that, you know, hey, we're going to have this, this agreement of peace and safety, we're going to have worldwide peace, and, 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 and the only way they're going to be able to have that is if all the Christians are gone. Because, you see, we are the hindrance of their peace. We are what keeps them un, in unrest. Because they can't sin peacefully as long as there are believers in preaching Jesus and preaching against sin in this world. Then they cannot be at peace. They can't, uh, you know, the, 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 the trans.
Adam's people, they can't be at peace because we say, hey, there's not, there's not Adam. There was only Adam and Eve. So they can't be at peace. Uh, you know, the, again, the Sodomites, they can't be at peace because we preach it. God said one man and one woman for one lifetime. They can't be at peace. I mean, those who want to who wanna live in sin and, 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 and say marriage don't matter, we, we, we are the problem because we say, no, God said that you're getting married not to shack up and live the rest of your time together in, in, in adultery. Listen, we are the problem to them. They think so. But I'm going to tell you something. We're not the problem. We're the answer. Amen. We have the answer. We're not the answer, but we have the answer. Because when we're gone and they think they've got purity, and they're going to say, hey, we finally got rid of those people. Thank God, however, or they're going to say, thank Satan. They're not going to say, thank God. But they're going to praise Lucifer, and they're going to say, we finally got rid of them. They can't. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. All these UFOs they keep seeing are going to come take us all away. You mark her down. I'm telling you, don't be shocked. There's a reason why. Aliens, UFOs, there's a reason why there's been a whole generation of, of UFO movies and space movies. They've been preparing this world for what's going to happen when we're gone. They've got to have an explanation. And they've been talking, the, 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 the military's been talking about seeing UFOs and stuff out in the Pacific Ocean and, and, and all kinds of nonsense. So I'm telling you, this is all getting closer and closer and closer to happening. And like I said, peace and safety. Well, Jeremiah 30. Jeremiah 30, verse 4 through 9. All right, the, the second part of verse 3, which we read, when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. Jeremiah 30, 4 through 9, listen to it. And these are the words that the Lord spake concerning Israel and concerning Judah, not concerning the church, but concerning Israel and Judah. For thus saith the Lord, we have heard a voice of trembling, of fear, and not of peace. Ask ye now and see whether a man doth travail with child. Wherefore do I see every man with his hands on his loins as a woman in travail? A woman in labor. You ever say a woman in labor? Oh, oh, i got to get to the hospital. Get me in the car. Get me, i got to get the wheelchair. I'm hurting. I've never been in labor, but I've seen some being there, and it doesn't look fun. And, and the Bible says so. He said, now, he said, why, wherefore, why do I see every man with his hands on his loins as a woman in travail? And all faces are turned into paleness. Alas, for that day is great, that so that none is like it. It is even the time of Jacob's trouble. That's the tribulation period. But he shall be saved out of it. For it shall come to pass in that day that, saith the Lord of hosts, that I will break his yoke from off thy neck, and I will burst thy bonds, and strangers shall no more serve themselves of him, but they shall serve the Lord their God, their, and David their king, whom, whom I will raise up unto them. What is he saying? Jesus is going to sit on the throne of David. And, and you know what? Nobody's ever going to rule over him again. Jesus will be on the throne. He's describing, again, the day of the Lord, which begins with the tribulation. So let's keep going. Verse 4, our passage this morning. So he says, But ye, brethren, are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. All right, Matthew chapter 24, verses 42 through 44. By the way, again, Matthew 24 is not written to the church. There was no church at that moment. There was only Israel. There was only Jesus preaching to the Jews. But again, there was no church established. There was no 
church as we know the church today. Things were in a process and a transition. So when Jesus is giving his Olivet Discourse, he's talking to the disciples who are all Jews. And there are no Gentiles involved in this at that time at all. So you couldn't say he's, he's talking about the church. No, he couldn't be talking about the church. He's talking to the Jews, and he says to them, Watch ye therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come, but know this, that if the good man of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. Now, somebody read that and say, that he's talking about the rapture right there. No, he's not. No, he's not. Listen, he says, the thief, Christ is not coming as a thief for me and you. You say, well, yes, he's going to steal us away. No. Listen to what it says. If the good man of the house had known what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. This is not Christ taking us home to be with the Father. This is something totally different than that. All right, look, if you want to see, I'll show you. In a companion scripture in Luke chapter 17, all right, that's a companion uh, chapter uh, to uh, Matthew 24, Luke chapter 17. Let me read it to you so you understand. Verses 26 through 35. I'm not going to read all of that, but I, w- I will read enough of it to show you. All right. Luke chapter 17, 26 through 35. Again, this is talking about the very same thing, the Olivet Discourse. Verse 26 says, As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it also be in the, in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat and drink and married wives. They were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Does that sound like the rapture? No, that's judgment. Likewise also as it was in the days of Lot. They did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. But the same same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. So this is not referring to a time of blessing and going home to be with God. That's referring to Christ coming to judge. The earth, the Jews, he's coming to, to, to pour out his bowls of wrath and his vials of wrath upon this earth. So when he says, ye brethren are not in darkness, you're not going to go through that. That day he's referring to is the day of judgment. It should overtake you as a thief, and it's going to overtake them as a thief. Why? Because they're just going about their lives. They're not going to be, they're going to say, oh, the UFOs got all them Christians out of here. Finally, we can live and enjoy our lives. We can, we can, men can marry men, women can marry women, and nobody will say anything. We can, hey, we can, we can abuse children, do anything we want to with anybody. And no, we can bring animals, whatever we want to in our relationships or whatever. We can go crazy and just be vile as can be, and nobody will say a word. We'll have peace finally. We can live in peace and do what we want and be happy and enjoy our lives the way we always wanted to before God messed it all up. That's the way people are going to be. They're going to think, this is great. But they don't understand judgment's about to drop on their head. Verse five. He said, Ye are all ye are all the children of light. He's talking to the believers in the church of Thessalonica. He's not talking to the Jews who rejected Jesus and crucified him and rejected him. Okay? He's not referring to them. He's referring to those who believe. Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night, nor of the darkness. He said, we're the children of light, y'all. Again, we're not like this world. We're not of this world. We're children of the day. 
John 8, 12, he, then spake Jesus unto the, again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. If we follow Christ, we're not, we're not, we're not like the rest of this world. If we're saved, we're following Jesus. We're not following after the, the filth of this world. We're not craving the filth of this world. We're not walking the path of this world. We're walking a totally different path than those who, who have no idea that Jesus is the answer. We're on a totally different path than they are. John twelve forty six. I am come a light into the world. And whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. If a person is saved, they, they'll never be happy to live in sin. They'll never be happy to be just like the rest of the world. We've been called out from that. Acts twenty six eighteen. The Bible said to open their eyes and to turn them. This is the purpose of Christ's coming. To open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light. From the power of Satan unto God. That they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that's in me. That's, listen, that's what we have in Christ. We've been turned from darkness to light. We've been turned from the power of Satan. He had a foothold in every one of our lives before we came to Christ. He had us right where he wanted us. And the moment we believed on Christ for the forgiveness of our sins, Satan lost that power over you. Amen. You can give it back to him. I wouldn't advise it. He'll ruin you. He'll destroy you. He'll tear you to pieces. But listen to me. Foothold when you came to Christ. Hallelujah. Listen, and, and the Bible says, and we received forgiveness of sin, and we received an inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that's in me. So that inheritance is what we're going to. Philippians 2.15, uh, the Bible says that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights in the world. So Paul is saying to them, listen, you're not in darkness about Jesus and about what else took place. You're the children of light. There's no need for me to write to you about this darkness because it's not going to happen to you. Verse 6 and 7. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. Again, he's contrasting between believers and unbelievers. He's saying that, that unbelievers are asleep. They don't see that Jesus is the light of the world. They can't understand that he has brought salvation to them. He's saying, let's don't be asleep. Listen, all those Jews that rejected Jesus, he's referring to them as asleep. He said, but let's watch. Who are we watching for? We're watching for Jesus. We're looking for our Savior. Amen? Listen, we're not looking for everything to get better down here because it's not going to get better down here. We're looking for Christ. Amen. We're going with him where it'll all be better. Amen. And when he comes back, he's going to make all things better. And they won't no more be none of this. Amen. Hallelujah for that. So he said, let's don't be asleep. Let's don't, let's don't be asleep as, as others are. He said, but let us watch and be sober. And that word sober don't mean let's, let's don't get drunk. He means let's be serious. I can tell you that. that that's, that's, just, that's just as important as, as watch. Because there's a lot of people who profess to be Christians who are not serious about living for God. They're living like the rest of the world. They're not, they're, they got one toe in and one toe out. And they're walking that, they're trying to walk that, uh, walk that balance between the world and Christ, and you cannot do that and be a success. And you know what? And if they're in that shape, you'll be so turned around, you're not sure if Christ is coming or not. It'll mess you up. 
You start trying to walk like the rest of the world. It'll, it'll turn you all around. You'll be as confused as a termite in a yo-yo before you know what happened to you. You need God. You need the Word of God. You need to stay with God and walk with God and learn from God and grow. 1 Corinthians three fourteen through 16, he says, But their minds were blinded. And we talked about them being asleep. Paul said their minds were blinded. He's talking Again, he's talking about the Jews. He said, For unto, unto this day remain, remaineth the same veil, untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. He's saying, listen, when a person gets saved, they don't, they don't have that. It's, like, it's like, almost like they have a covering over their eyes. You can tell them all about Jesus, but they can't see it because they got a veil in front of them that keeps them from seeing it. He says, but when they come to Christ, that veil is taken away and they can see clearly. But until they're willing to see it, they can't see it, and they're blind. It's like they're asleep. And he said, he said that, he said, but unto this day, when the when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart again. They can't get it. They can't see that Jesus is the answer. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, in other words, their heart, if their heart turns to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Verse eight of our scripture. But let us who are of the day. Be sober. Let's be serious about about being Christians. Putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. He's referencing Ephesians 6, 11 through 18. That's what he's doing right there. He said, listen, we, we're, not, we're not going, we're not, we're not looking uh, to, to be caught up in all of this to come on to Israel. Listen, Christ is coming for us. He's going to take us out of here. He said, so right now, quit worrying about it and let's get busy. And let's be, let's be soldiers for the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what he's referring to right here. Let us who are of the day be sober. Let's get serious. All right, what is he saying? Put on the whole armor of God. Don't put on part of it. Be a, if you're going to be a soldier, let's get equipped. Let's get ready for battle because you're going to fight. And I can tell you right now, there ain't a soldier in this world who got any sense going to go to war without his helmet on. Because if, if you kill the head, the body dies. Right? So you better make sure you got your head secured. He said, so we need, the, we need the helmet of salvation. We need to be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The devil is coming to attack you. The devil, if he's not attacking you right now, he's going to attack you. If he's, if, when, he, when he gets, when he gets uh, his attack on you, if he thinks he's done any good, he'll keep coming. If you'll, if you'll put the armor of God on and resist him, he'll flee from you, and he won't get his foothold in your life. The Bible says that... Put on the whole armor of God that we may be able to stand. That means to win. That means to be victorious against the wiles of the devil. For we we wrestle not against flesh and blood. People are not our issue. People are not who our enemies are. We may see them as that, but they're not, and we need to change our opinion. The Bible said it's against principalities. That's devils. Against powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. That's who we fight against are devils and, and demons. And the Bible says in high places all throughout the upper atmosphere that, that, that try to attack us daily. And you say, well, I don't know if I can fight them. Well, listen to what it says. It says, wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand. If we take God's armor on us, God says we'll be able to withstand whatever the devil brings to us. We may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, 
to stand. And I'm picturing that in my mind, a battlefield strewn with body parts, blood and guts and, and armor and swords and dead horses and steam coming up off the ground and one soldier standing in the middle of it covered in other people's blood but standing there holding his sword victorious when the battle's over. That's how I see it. Listen, that's what God's saying. When, when it's all said and done, we ought to still be standing because we're not standing in our strength. We're not fighting this battle. God's fighting this battle for us. We're covered in his armor, and he's, it's his strength. It's not our strength. And it, it, it's not, it, again, it's not our armor. It's not our plan. It's God's. He says to stand, having your loins girt about with truth, but we've got to have the word of God. He says, having the breastplate of righteousness is not our righteousness. It's the righteousness of God. And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In other words, that's our mission is to get the gospel to people before they die and go to hell. And above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith you should be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Everything the devil throws at you, you've got faith in God, trust him. He's going to take care of you. Amen. And no matter what the devil throws at you, it cannot defeat what God has given you. The helmet of salvation. We got again, you gotta have you gotta have your head protected. And the sword of the spirit, which is your only weapon, the word of God. That's all you need. The word of God's powerful, more powerful than any two edged sword. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, and watching thereunto. Again, we're to be watching for Christ with all perseverance but not only watching for him, but watching for others as well. Watching and taking care of others along the way. That's what a soldier does. He's not only fighting the battle, but he's also protecting others along the way and helping others. But watching thereunto with all perseverance is supplication for all saints. That means we're to be praying for one another because we're all in the same battle together. Listen, we're going home. We're fighting a battle right here. But I can tell you this, one of these days, Christ is going to sound the trumpet and the battle's over and we're going home. We're going home to be with him. Listen to verse 9. For God hath not appointed us to wrath. God's not going to pour his anger out on you and I. He poured his anger out on the Lord Jesus Christ on Calvary. He poured all the anger that he ever was going to pour out on us on Christ. And Christ took it all. And Christ suffered for it. And he paid the debt for it. God's don't have, God doesn't have to pour his anger out on us. No, no. 1 Thessalonians 1.10, the Bible tells us that we're to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who which delivered us from the wrath to come. Praise God. That's why Paul said there's no need that I write to you. There's no need because it's not about you. This, 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 is, this is them. This is them. He's referring to the church, to the Jews rather, not, not to the Gentile church. <coughs> In verse 10, we're closing. For God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Again, he's bringing it back to what he'd said about the rapture. He said, you know, those who have died, they're going to they're gonna by the grave, and they're going to be changed. And we which are alive remain. And we hadn't slept. We're still here. But we're going to be changed the moment of twinkling of an eye. So he said, whether we should whether we should wake or sleep, it doesn't matter. We're going to be with him. Amen. We're not going to have to endure tribulation. We're going to be with him. First Thessalonians four, sixteen and seventeen, again, for the Lord himself 
shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Praise God, and may the Lord add his blessing today to the reading of his word. I'm thankful today that I'm not, I, don't have to, I don't have to live in dread and fear of a mark of a beast. I don't have to live in fear of, of running from the authorities and trying not to get my head chopped off. I'm thankful to God that we are not appointed to that. Again, God has, God has appointed to us greater things. We're not going to get out of here and escape this because we live in America. I want you to understand that. We're not going to get out of here and escape this because we're better people than everybody else. No, God had a plan. God had God had this thing appointed, and it's just going to happen the way he appointed it for it to happen. God is not through dealing with Israel. He has already dealt with us. He dealt with us on Calvary. And he's also, he dealt with them too on Calvary, but they rejected it. Because he has not turned his back on Israel and will not turn his back on Israel, he's going to redeem them to himself. And Paul said there's no need for y'all because, hey, you're saved. You're going home. Christ is coming, and he's going to take you home. Praise God. Let's stand together and let's get ready to go to the house. I want you to be back tonight at 6. I got a message for you tonight. I want you to be here for it. But I want you to encourage one another because Jesus is coming, and he's not He's not far off. Again, we're seeing too many things go on, and I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen Tuesday. I don't know if, 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 if things are going to begin to turn around or if, or if they're going to pull a, a fast one again and, and try to try to throw this thing. I don't know what's going to happen. But I can tell you this, no matter what happens on Tuesday, God's plan ain't altered one bit. It's still, it's still coming. He's still coming. It's all going to happen just like he said it would. So you don't have to worry. You don't have to worry. Just put your eyes on the Lord. Just be busy about serving him. Ask him for that armor to protect you as you go about to serve him and ask him for the power to overcome the devil and all he would throw at you. And God will give you victory. God wants you to have victory. He loves you. You're his child. All right. Let's go to the Lord in word of prayer. And we're going to ask God to bless the invitation. If there's somebody in this room this morning that needs to come to the altar, I, I urge you to. Come and bring your issues to the altar. You just need to come and pray. God, God will meet you there, no matter what your need is. If there's somebody listening to me this morning, uh, maybe listening by way of one of these, that's not sure that they die if they're going to heaven, there's nothing you can do but, but believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. He did everything that was necessary. There's not a thing you can add to it or take away from it. You need to come helpless and say, Lord, I can't do a thing to save myself. I just I trust you and I believe on you. And I'm asking you to save me. Wash my sins away in your blood. And he will. If you believe he died for you, he rose from the grave, and listen, he, he has the power to save you. Give him your all. Take it and lay it all, all your sins at his feet. And say, Lord, I need to be saved. And he'll save you this morning. Father, I pray your blessing now upon the invitation. I pray, Lord, that you that you speak to each heart, Father. I pray, Lord, that Lord, you do a work in each life. And Father God, I just pray that Lord that we'll we'll look be looking up and be looking for Christ and, and be busy in this world and not waste the time that you've given us. Father, help us to, to look to the Word of God and believe on what it says and trust and walk in faith. Father, please bless each one now in the sound of my voice. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Number 65, Jesus, keep me near the cross. Jesus, keep me near the cross.